Right, EO South Africa, welcome to Radio, the EO South Africa podcast. I'm Richard Mulholland. And I'm Ross Drakes. This is Radio. And today in the studio, in the hot seat, we have Arlene Mulder sitting down with Ross Drakes to tell a bit about her origin story, uh, what she went through, how she got where she is today, why she joined EO, and there's some amazing learnings there. So I really hope you enjoy. I'm going to hand over now to Ross, who's going to take it away. Right. So um, welcome back to the second episode of Radio. I'm here with Arlene Mulder, who is the co-founder and MD of We Think Code. How's it, Ross? Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think the first thing is, can you describe for the listeners what your business is? Like, give us your, your elevator pitch. Sure. So we are a software engineering university, and we're all about finding the top 1%. There's three things that I would say make us different. So first of all, we're democratizing education. It's completely free for students to attend, and you don't even need matric to apply. Then we've completely revolutionized how education works. So there's no teachers, no classes. Everything is based on peer-to-peer learning. And then we've partnered very closely with industry. So corporates actually pay for students to study, but we also work closely with them to make sure that whatever's relevant the tech world changes so quickly, so whatever's relevant, uh, we work closely with them to make sure that our students learn the latest out there. Okay, and what's, what are the subjects that you guys are covering, or what are the topics you're covering? So, it's much more about learning how to solve problems, and you use just coding as a tool. Saying that, it is very structured and very difficult. It's um, like doing a four-year honors degree in 16 months. So they start off with C. So C is like if you imagine the foundation of coding. If you can kind of do C, everything else is much easier. And they do graphics, algorithms, artificial intelligence, Unix, and then they go into web. Um, And then in the second year, we go into C++, your more object-orientated programming. And in your second year, you get to specialize in almost anything that you want. So we've got security, database, administration, blockchain. We've got robotics, um, iOS, Android, almost just anything that you want to specialize in. Okay. And I mean, of those, all of those topics you're talking about, which are the ones that excite you the most um, for the future of the country (laughs) or your own personal um, gain? Okay, so I'm a bit, um, I love the machine learning data science kind of thing, side of things, I guess. I, should, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm, a, I'm an undercover nerd. I'm actually a mathematician. So that side of things, combining coding um, and math and statistics, I mean, it is quite a trend at the moment as well. But if you can think about, there's so much data out there, and it's, um, it's more about what do you do with this data? How do I make sense of it? and um, using principles. Machine learning is just really a fancy way of saying um, it's models that adapt continuously to the, to the data that comes in. Um, so yeah, I, I'm quite in love with that. And obviously also the, the hardware side of things, it's very, very exciting to me as well. Okay. I mean, do you think there's a scope? So obviously machine learning is quite like a big topic globally. Do you think us down here at the bottom of Africa, <laughs> if there's scope for South Africans or Africa to have kind of a a play in this kind of burgeoning market worldwide? Yes, definitely. So that's actually uh, my big, big crazy, my big crazy goal is that we want South Africa to be known globally. If you're thinking, where do I go to find innovative, creative people that can use technology to solve problems? We want people to think of South Africa first. So at the moment, we have incredible skills here, but just not at scale. Um, So I've got a little story that I quite like. So in the States, they have these awards called America's High Tech CEO Awards. 
And the first, so like Larry Page from Google, he can win this. Yes. In the first five years they had this, four out of the five winners were originally from South Africa. So that shows you, okay, like Elon Musk is one of them. Is but this your dream to win this <laughs> award one day? Well, I don't know. One of my students must win this award. Okay. Um, or actually, it must be one from uh, in South Africa, not necessarily in the States. But, so we've got amazing people, but just not at, at scale. But if we can change that, if we can take away some of these barriers, if we can find these top 1% of rock star software engineers and... Today, the problem is there's a massive skills gap because we're rated second worst in the world for secondary education. So that's a massive barrier. But if we can start taking away those barriers, we have amazing people here, very diverse, creative, innovative, very smart. Um, then, of course, absolutely we can. We can compete globally. And I think we can be a force to be reckoned with globally. Okay. Now, I mean, we've, we're far enough into the interview for, I think, people to be wondering <laughs> where your accent comes from. <gasps> Oh, I get this all the time. Ek is <laughs> Afrikaans en my is van Pretoria. Does that prove it? When I speak Maybe. Afrikaans? I mean, where, did you, where did you study? Um, I studied in Potchefstroom, actually. Okay. So when I started, it was still called um, Potchefstroom Universiteit vir Christelike Hoer Onderwijs. Okay. It's now called the Northwest University. But yeah, um, I, we did not, if you wanted to have classes in English, um, it had to be after six in the evenings. That's how Afrikaans it was there. Okay. Um, so now tell me, if, if people want to use kind of machine learning or internet of things in their businesses, like how do you see that kind of playing out? Obviously, it's easy for the big guys to go and spend a ton of money on really expensive equipment. Is there something that a a smaller business or a more entrepreneurial business could do with that kind of stuff to make money or? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, it's such a buzzword at the moment, right? And everyone's like, oh, okay, blockchain, we all have to use it. But first understand really if it is applicable to your business. So it's quite nice to say, oh, we're using machine learning, but you know, it's not, it's not everything and it's not always what you really need to. Um, I guess you can always work with We Think Code and get some students from us <laughs> that, have the, that have the expertise. But there's some amazing companies out there um, that actually focus on it. One of them, I've recently worked with them. Um, they came to do a talk with our students, but they're called Asazi Consulting, for example. So they focus on it. So I would suggest speaking to people that really understand what it's all about and seeing if it really is applicable to your business. Or otherwise, I guess as small businesses, um, Tap into someone that's already really good at it. Uh, don't try to reinvent the wheel and maybe tap into a shared services because that's often a way for small businesses to be able to afford a big service. Like so that. what are those, I mean, what are some of those services that people can go and look at? Oh, I'm not sure. Like in terms of, so there's companies that do this. So actually, they, I know them well. They, they are new neighbors in the CBD. So they're called Ornico, for example. So what they do is they, they analyze social media data and they give you then, based on the interactions, they give you then the insights into your product. So I would suggest going to a company like that and chatting to them. And they would have learned a lot of lessons from, from other companies. And you can tap into that. OK. And if people want to hire kind of the people coming out of We Think Code, um, how do they go about so doing how, that? So how our business model works is that um, corporate sponsors students. So it, it's 125,000 Rand. That covers the full two years of studies um, for our students. 
So you just chat to us and tell us you would like some, some coders. Um, you sign up and then how it works is we, um, after six months with us, we match the students to the corporate. So we invite you over to come meet with our students, tell them a little bit more about your business, and they then get to choose where they want to work for. So do they want to work at a small startup, which is quite sexy, I guess, at the moment, or do they want to work for a big corporate, and then we match the students with you. They study eight months full-time with us, then they go do a four-month internship with the corporate, eight months with us, four months with the corporate. So that's the process. Okay. And, I mean, we we both part of EO. I think you've just joined. Um, yes. You graduated from the Accelerator program ridiculously quickly. Um, can you tell <laughs> us a bit about your journey through Accelerator into yeah. EO? It's, um, it's been an amazing journey. So I, I feel like my entrepreneurial journey is quite, quite different. Um, I was an investment banker for seven years. And um, so about two and a half years ago, left and started We Think Code. So joining Accelerator was really amazing. I think an entrepreneurial journey is sometimes quite lonely. I mean, your friends don't really understand what you what you do, especially not my ex-investment banker, ex-colleagues. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean you're doing free education? Are you crazy? Um, and we also had forum in Accelerator and just that shared experience and just realizing you're kind of not the only person going through it. Um, it really, it was an amazing experience. And I'm very excited to be part of EO now. Cool. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you. And I, I mean, the big thing about EO is is kind of learning from other people and other people's mistakes. So if you could go back to your 22-year-old self and um, and give her some advice, uh, what, would, what would you say? Wow. I would probably say, don't be scared to take big risks. You know, when um, so Kemi and I started uh, We Think Code, I think we were like, we can't do this. I mean, we know nothing about starting a business. We, I mean, she had a little bit of experience in, um, in education, but we were like, tech, it's like a tech startup that we started. And we didn't have the confidence um, and we were quite scared. And I think this is also one of the things I've actually learned on my accelerator journey is just to have the confidence to go for it. Um, so yeah, I would I would probably say take these risks a little bit earlier and just just go for it. Don't think about things too much. Just follow your gut and just go for it. I know that's my maybe it's not good advice, but that's what I would tell my 22 year old self. Just jump in and flail yeah. around. I love that. I mean, what help are you looking for at the moment? I mean, what do you like? What support would you like in your business at the moment? So, like I said, we are in the business of finding the top one percent, and. Um, we very ambitiously decided, um, you know, let's just double the software engineering market. Um, we've got more than 300 students now, which is literally doubling the market. So um, if you take all the other universities, um, all the other res um, uh, sources of software engineers, there's only 300. So now we're opening in Cape Town. So in um, October, we'll be running our first boot camp in, in Cape Town, and then we're looking for 200 students in Cape Town and another 200 in, in Joburg. So really just, I think we need to get the word out there and um, get top people to apply. And do you think there's appetite for that many coders? I mean, so you're going to be outputting, what, 500 coders a year. Yeah. Um, so two years ago, it was it was, there was research done that there's 70,000 vacancies advertised in South Africa for software engineers. But when you speak to people in the industry, they say it's more like 200,000. So there's a massive, massive demand. And what happens today is 
um, a lot of the banks and big companies, they outsource all their dev work to Bangladesh or India. And these South African businesses actually don't want to do that. They want to support local talent. They want to hire local people, but they just can't find the talent. So actually, I think we can scale much more and much greater than that. Um, but, you know, as in any business, we can't just kind of sit back and think, okay, this business model is going to work forever. So I guess, you know, we'll continuously think about do we change our business model? Do we start our own dev shop? Do we um, start a dev shop here that outsources work to um, other parts in the world? I mean, if you look at it, we our English is very good here. Well, see, you didn't even know I was South African. <laughs> and um, we're the same time zone as Europe. Um, we've got uh, the exchange rate advantage. So there's a lot of things we could do. And then there's obviously also the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, I think it's amazing. Um, we have this thing at We Think Code where we do a, a workshop every second week on, on just entrepreneurial ideas. And it's awesome to get all these crazy ideas. And it's such a diverse group of people. And they understand the problems on the ground. So they have awesome ideas. And the cool thing is now, they've now also got the tech skills to actually build the solutions for their crazy ideas. So I'm quite excited to see what happens on the entrepreneurial side. So are you going to loop back around to your investment banker friends and, and now <laughs> just connect finance into that model and actually maybe, just start maybe. spinning out successful I'm, businesses? I'm still, I guess, an undercover. So maybe we might start a venture capital fund somewhere down the line. Okay. I mean, isn't I this the entrepreneurial dream? You build a business, you sell it, and then you do angel investment exactly. for the rest of time. Yeah. You know, everyone says don't get emotionally involved in your business, but... It's too late. I can't imagine selling <laughs> we think good, but yeah, I guess it'll be awesome to be able to it'll be awesome to be able to help these young um, these young guys and girls just help them with their business. So whether it is to get funding or just share and you know, this is the one thing about EO, you get to listen to other people's experiences. So we can share what we've learned also with, with our students, which is pretty cool. Okay. Now, you were telling me before we started recording that you've recently got a lot of funding. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how, how that came about and what sure. you're planning to do with it? And um, sure, did you so. buy a fancy <laughs> sports car with the money? Oh, I wish. <laughs> I'm not going to say how little I earn now compared to my investment banking salary. But um, no, so it's been amazing. And I guess one of the, one of the amazing things and maybe that I can share is We've bootstrapped from the start, so we have actually not raised any capital. All the money we've, um, or the deals we got in, it's revenue, um, which has been amazing. So we've just, we had founding partners on board, um, so it was FNB, BBD, and Derivco, and now we've just signed BCX on board as our growth sponsor. Um, well, it was announced, I guess so I can say, so we got a 60 million round deal with them. Um, that's for the next three years. Um, there, it's obviously to sponsor students, but this also enables us to open a brand new campus in Cape Town. So it just it kickstarted our, our growth and our expansion, which is really amazing. Now you're not you're not an NGO. You're a for-profit business. We're actually a non-profit business. Are oh, you a non-profit yeah. business? But we run it like a for-profit. Okay. Yeah. So do you think there's space in the, you know, there, there seems to be this new trend kind of globally of, of kind of social good social. companies. Um, do you yeah. think that's an interesting space? I mean, what, what inspired very, you to go there? It's a very interesting space. And to be honest, when we started out, we, we made a lot of assumptions and we didn't know. And um, we thought we would get 
grant funding and CSI funding, but actually we've not received any funding like that. It's all just been revenue. It's all just been business, um, which is one of the things you know we, we learned. We didn't know that, but I do think, I do think globally there's a there's a bit of a trend to go into towards social impacts um, investing. But at the end of the day, it still needs to benefit the company. So like in our case, the companies are really looking for software engineering skills. They can't find them anywhere. Even if they can pay a recruiter, they just can't find the skills. So it's quite nice. They, so maybe they give us slightly more than they would have, yes. but it must still make sense to them. So I don't think you can go out there and just say, cool, I'm doing social good and everyone's just going to fall over and give you money. That's not, I don't think that's going to happen. If you can find, and if you think about whatever cause you're passionate about, find someone that is also passionate about it and, and, and that it also makes sense to them. Um, and if, if it can benefit their business, like in our case, like I said, um, we've got all the big tech companies, all the big banks, they desperately need these skills. Okay, and it's also pretty cool that they can help South Africa because, and also we've realized we've got mostly South African companies because the big internationals, they don't really care that much about South Africa. So if you can combine the something that they really need and they're quite passionate about young people in South Africa, that's then your perfect match. Then you've got a winning combo. Exactly. That's cool. So I never really thought that you guys are actually a, a HR, like a hiring <laughs> funnel for kind the of, yeah. for the company. We're actually not. We're kind of not in education. We're more in the business of finding like the top one percent of rock stars, putting them all together. Because we actually don't even have any lecturers. It's all these smart people coming together at campus, and they just love hanging out there and just love learning together. And that way, they kind of push each other to be better as well. Um, and they just learn so much faster. Um, so do you think, I mean, education, do you think it's shifting? You know, we're moving away. You studied mm. at Potchefstroom. You did like a, an old school degree. Yeah. Do you think your kind of method of teaching is going to, to change the way people learn? Do you think this is where the globe is going? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, if you think about it, you know, we've got access to so much information. So the skills that you need, you don't have to memorize any facts. You've got your phone two seconds away. You can Google anything that you want. It's different kind of skills that you need now. So the two things, obviously, we believe this, so this is what we teach. But uh, the two things that I think is, you know, you've got to learn how to solve problems. So whatever tool you use, so you can still go study the tools. So whether it is graphic design or whether it's um, if you're on the creative side or whether it's coding, you still need to learn the tool. But it's all about can you use that to solve problems. And the second thing is you must be able to adapt. So um, you must learn how to learn because the world changes so quickly. What's relevant today might not be relevant tomorrow. And if you think of that in, in the current context of the education system, I mean, it, it kind of doesn't work. It was built in the Industrial Revolution. We're all on this conveyor belt saying, OK, cool, we spit you out like that. And it's all about memorizing facts. Look, some, some factions of it has been changing a little bit. But yeah, I'm quite excited to see. But one thing that I would say is I don't think everything's going to go online. So today, you can study any course from Harvard on, um, on edX, right? But why do you still go to Harvard? because you want to be part of the community. And that's the same thing that we see with We Think Code. So technically, our course is online, but the students all still come to campus because you still want that human interaction. You still want that community, and that's how people learn the best. 
So that's where I think it's going. It's, um, it's kind of tailored to the individual. So it's kind of your own pace. And it's technology enabled, but you still, there's still something magical about just building that bond and yeah, being, in, we all want to be part of the tribe, right? So you want to be- And do you think businesses are going to start building their own learning in-house so you kind of almost join a company and then pick up their course and learn their, their yes. skills and trade? I think definitely. Um, a lot of them are doing it already. Um, and I, I actually, it's interesting speaking to a lot of corporates, they, but what they're interested in is finding the right people. So I recently met with Amazon and they said they actually don't care about the skills so much. They care about do you fit into their culture and their values. And if you're that right person and that right fix, uh, that right match for them, then you can learn anything inside the company. So I think it's, it's going to become more and more about who you are as opposed to what you've learned before. Okay. That's an interesting insight. And I mean, now, so you getting these people to, to come and they have to be problem solving and they have to be proactive and they have to be able to learn. How, how are you selecting, how are you hiring these people so that, or not hiring, how are you enrolling these people yeah. so that you're getting the right people in? Because obviously, if you're taking in the wrong people and they're not going to be those kind of, kind of humans. Yeah, I mean, this is, the, this is the difficult part, right? So we've got two stages of our application process. The first one is there's a game online that you can play. So like I said, no previous experience required. So there's three games. Um, if you pass these games, you get invited to a boot camp. So only about 2.5% of applicants pass these games. A boot camp is four weeks long. So here we really kind of put you through boot camp. The name says it all. So every single day for 26 days in a row, you code. You come into campus. You cannot miss a day. So we look at your motivation, your resilience. We look at also, can you work in this environment? Because it's a very diff different environment. You, you're so used to 12 to 14 years of your life. Someone tells you exactly what to do. Now you come here and it's all of a sudden, okay, go find a computer, go learn with your peers. So our selection process is really, really rigorous. Um, and then once you study with us, um, we're also not just about coding. Uh, we've got a whole coding for success program as well, where our students, we go through life skills training with them. So we've got these principles for success. Um, so for example, one is turning challenges into opportunities. One is celebrating diversity. But we, we uh, the students did the Myers-Briggs personality test. And then yeah. you're like, okay, how do I work with someone that's different to me? So we put kind of a lot of effort into developing sort of the, the complete human, um, for lack of a better way to say it. So it's quite a quite a process. Tell us what are those what are those tests that the guys pass or the girls pass? The, oh, we've got some girls. We've got a lot more girls now, which I'm very happy about. Um, so it's three games. So I can't give too much away because there's no instructions online. But there's a memory game. Then there's a sort of a visual game where you have to put pieces together to make a picture. And then the last game is a it's a logic problem solving game. But again, there's no so it's ten minutes, one hour, two hours, no instructions. You've got to figure it out. So we're testing: Does your brain work in a certain way? And do you just give up if something's difficult? Do you just give up, or do you kind of are you one of those people that kind of tinker with a problem and want to figure it out? So that's pretty much the first uh, three um, games. And then obviously in the boot camp, it goes a lot goes a lot deeper than that. Okay. And are you hiring, I mean, not hiring, are you selecting 
along your values? Do you guys have like a set of values that you use to drive We Think Code and and do you yeah. design everything around that? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's really important to us. And so this is where the human side comes in. So actually our team, and we had some interns as well, they all had some students that they had to observe. And um, if someone is the most amazing, smartest rock star coder ever, but they don't fit into that values, then they're just not going to make it at We Think Code. And we've got, we've got something called community service. So if you break one of the rules, if you're not, um, like if you're arrogant or if you, if you don't respect other people, then you get community service, which could be anything from cleaning the screens of an iMac to measuring the floor with paint or something ridiculous like that. All the menial tasks. But so we really emphasize um, our values. And we have really a, a cheesecake punishment. So if you oh, yeah? miss a meeting and you don't excuse yourself or you commit one of our unforgivable yeah. sins, then you have to buy the office cheesecake. Amazing. Uh, I'm so going to add that to our list. That cheesecake. sounds cheesecake for 300 people. Yeah. That could be quite nice. Yeah, the, the, the barrier, you, you know you <laughs> exactly. don't want to make a mistake because it's quite an expensive exactly. one to make. I like that. I yeah. like that. Cool. So, I mean, is this your first business? Were you always entrepreneurial or, or you know, did you take a different path before you came in here? No, this is my first business. If you don't count, I think when I was 10 years old, I don't know why, but I did not eat chocolates. Now I'm making up for it. So I used to sell it at Easter to the... No, but I, this is my first business. Um, so it's quite quite an exciting and awesome journey. And do you think this is your last business? Or do you think Definitely you're, now, not. you're now being suckered in and you're I've been falling down the rabbit hole? I've been in completely. No, it's definitely... I've. The, my problem is I've got 10 million ideas a day. And now... Being in this environment, being in this space, um, I mean, I, we pretty much have 300 like geniuses talking about ideas the whole time. So I, I just have this overflow of ideas. So yeah, definitely not the last one. Cool. So coming back around to, you know, you say you're opening up in Cape Town now. Mm. How, like, just talk us through how you're planning to run two different campuses in two different places. How are you going to split your time? How are you splitting mm. the responsibilities? How? How are you going to tackle that? Yeah, it's going to be quite challenging. But um, so first of all, we were quite concerned that we would lose the culture and the values if we have two separate locations. I think also hearing experience from other people, they say that that often happens. So I'm going to be based in Cape Town and Kemi will be based in Joburg. And we're taking um, some of our team and actually some of our students will be joining our team also to the to the Cape Town office. So that's kind of the first thing to make sure that we have that continuity in, in who we are, that it doesn't become two different businesses, yeah. but that it keeps that that same culture. But I guess I'll um, be flying a lot between the two, between the two. But these days it's it's a lot easier with technology and we can Skype or Zoom in and, and kind of still be part of the same meetings. So it's going to be challenging, but um, yeah, we're going to try I mean, and I make suppose, it work. I suppose, you know, it might be interesting to give some people some tips here. What are, yeah. the, what are the digital tools you guys use to kind of manage? Um, sure. I mean, Slack is the first one. Um, it's just a really good chat mechanism. So we've got a team one and a student one. Um, we use Zoom for, for video calling. Um, and then just good old WhatsApp, I guess. <laughs> you know, it never fails. But I would say Slack is a, is a great tool. Oh, and then we use a lot of tools like Trello. Trello is a pretty cool one um, to keep track project of. project management. Project management, we use it as a finance tool as well. And there's quite a good sales tool called Pipedrive. And I realized this is actually in a workshop with EO the other day. Um, 
I realized this is quite, it's quite a big risk because at the moment I'm the only person doing sales and kind of I'm not really keeping track because it's just me. So um, when we started, we started using Pipedrive and I actually made a note to say, I must start using this again because I think you get so, you're so busy and you don't take the time to, to put proper tools in place. But, and, and that's quite a nice thing to keep track and to see what works. And sometimes you think you know because it's just you, but it's good to kind of take that step back sometimes and just um, uh, keep track of things and see what works and doesn't work. Then in terms of other things we use, we use Zero for our finance, which is pretty cool, and um, PaySpace. So basically all online. All, all on, no, definitely all online. But isn't it interesting how, uh, I mean, the, the value of documenting a process or the value of documenting mm -hmm. something is, is not something that comes naturally, or at least to myself, as, as no. kind of running my business. It took us a few years to figure out that mm. actually documenting the way you go about, I mean, we know how we come up with ideas, we know how we sell, we know how we design, mm. and by observing the processes, we figured out where there's things we can trim, what we can get better yeah. at, and how we kind of improve. But it's not our kind of first natural response, which is just to kind of jump in and just get messy and start doing. And then you look back at some point and you're very far exactly. away from where you started. No, exactly. You just, and you feel like there's so much to do and you're just overwhelmed and the processes will come later. But it's really valuable to actually just take that little bit of time up front and to do it. And like you say, then you then you realize also where, where the good things are, where the bad things are, where you can improve. So I'm not that good at it yet, but I know that I should be. <laughs> you, know, you know where you're heading. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, talk us through, when you're saying sales, is this getting the big corporate sponsors? You know, so if you've yes. signed a 60 million rand deal, then you're obviously not that cuck at um, sales. So can you tell us a little bit how you... <laughs> how you do that. You know, I, I can joke about this because it's about myself, but I often say, we were like these two blonde girls that say, oh, we're going to start a tech university. But um, no, I think, to be honest, um, the timing is, is good. I, everyone's looking for, for what we have. It's Sometimes I think, wow, our story sounds too good to be true. It's like free education. You get the best. Oh, we've got like a 320 IMAX, by the way. So it's pretty cool. We've got a robotics lab. We've got all these cool things. The students get a job at the end. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's easy. It's quite easy if you've got an amazing team, if you've got an amazing product that you really believe in. And I guess, um, you know, someone said to me once, it's not about passion. It's about conviction. And conviction is just something that you just really believe. So you might not agree with me when I say, oh, we're going to establish South Africa as a, we're going to establish a new industry and everyone over the world is going to come here. But I really believe that. And I think, I guess that's why often the advice you get is that the founders are good at selling because they, are, they normally start the business because they really believe in it. So, um, yeah, and I guess, you know, I was really lucky with, I, was, I spent five years in, in corporate finance in M&A. So I guess I also understand my customer because I used to be kind of them. So yeah. I, I understand what's important to them. I understand that they they want the facts. They want this. They want you to come there and tell them this is... Actually, everyone wants to... So if we come back to the social impact, right? People generally want to help. They want to participate. But you must tell them exactly, this is the solution. Make it easy for them. 
So I think that's one thing that we do. We make it easy. So that we say to the corporates, okay, great. Um, you just do this. You sign this one page and we'll do everything else. We'll do your CETA. We'll do your BE. We'll do everything for you. So we make it easy for them. Does that so answer So you don't your charge question? them extra for any of those added value things. It's just part of the, the no, package. They just get awesome service from us. <laughs> that's really clever. Yeah. So it all comes down to you need delusional self-belief and you need to Absolutely. understand your customer. and then You've got to be a little bit crazy, right, yeah. to be an entrepreneur. You've got to believe you can change the world. <laughs> so you think you are actually changing the world. I mean, what do you, I mean one of my questions oh. here is about, you know, what do you, what do you think about South Africa? Like, I mean, obviously you directly clearly, involved in the clearly future. Clearly, I am positive about it. No, look, there's a lot of challenges, but actually that's the exciting part. If everything was just perfect, then there would be no growth, there would be no opportunity. So, yeah, there's, I think, and again, you know, there's a lot of noise at the moment, um, but if we can just kind of take that out and if we can look at the potential that we have here, I mean, we've got amazing people. We've got 3.9 million unemployed young people. Now, that's quite scary. And now you look at the stats and the crime and that, but that's why it exists. So rather than, and this is, I guess, the crazy positive side of me, but rather than just <laughs> focusing on the problem, look at the opportunity. So look at what we've got. I mean, we've got probably the most diverse society that I can think of anywhere in the world. I mean, that's a massive, that's a massive asset. And if you can take something like coding where you can, we are fortunate that we can remove some of the barriers. And like I said earlier, um, all the opportunity that we have, if you look at, our, our English, our exchange rate, all of that. To me, that's all opportunities. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot, obviously, that needs to happen, but I'm very positive. And I think here, yeah, still, if you work hard, if, you, if you're good at what you do, so you've got to have some talent, um, you can be successful. I really believe that, especially as an entrepreneur. It's, um, it is obviously hard, but... I think there's so many opportunities that I'm very, very positive and excited about that. Right. So I've got one last um, question for you. Will, you. will you share with us an experience that you only would have gotten in EO? Like, what, what experience that you've had, have you had that you don't think you would have gotten anywhere else? The most amazing thing is just how open people are with sharing their experiences. Um, so like I said, you know, I thought... When I was in corporate finance, I thought I know all the businesses out there. But, wow, you meet incredible people. And the people in EO, to me, they're just so open and they're just so willing to help. But the main thing is just getting to learn. So I'm, so, I'm such a new entrepreneur, right? But getting to learn from people who have done 10 businesses over 20 years and not just the business side of things, but, but the personal side of things. Um, I think that's often the hardest. Um, you've got very few people that really understand what you're going through. That sounds quite dramatic, but, you know, <laughs> but just kind of the emotional side of things and um, dealing with, with family and things like that. Really, I would not have gotten that anywhere else but from you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks well, so Aline, much. thank you for awesome coming on the show. Awesome to join you. My and uh, I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and we didn't lie to you when we said we would launch the next episode in two weeks after we launched the first one. What we just didn't tell you is that we would take 
three months to launch the first episode. So it's been three months and two weeks, but the next one will actually come out in two weeks. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. So there you have it. That was the radio podcast for this week. I read a quote recently that I really enjoy, and it said this. It said, I firmly believe that magic cannot be taught. It can be learned, but it cannot be taught. How can I know what you need, what you should do, what you should think? This is by Tommy Wonder from the Book of Wonder. And while it's a quote about magicians, I think that it's a content that's relevant to everybody. Uh, stuff cannot be taught. It can only be learned. And that's the purpose of this year podcast. And that's what we want to leave with you. We want to give you other people's stories so you can take away and learn from the great things that have been done in this fantastic network. So that's a wrap for the episode. I'd like to just uh, dial off by thanking our amazing sponsors, Bidvest Car Rental, 10XE, LaborNet, and ExecCare. Be sure to subscribe in any of the, whether it's iTunes or uh, Pocket Casts or Stitcher, uh, to the podcast so that we can get a dose of this into your inbox every single week. And of course, be sure to let us know if you have an amazing story that you would like to share with the network. We know everybody in EO has a story, and we want to make yours uh, more widely known. So that's it. Have a great week. Keep learning. Cheers. We would love to get your input. Please send it to radio at eosa.co.za. Thanks, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Peace out.